Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Want entertainment designed just for you? Then check out customizable streaming TV from Xfinity. It makes your life simple, easy, awesome. Xfinity gives you customizable streaming TV options. Enjoy the most free shows anywhere on any device. And even access your streaming apps right on your TV with X1. Go to Xfinity.com, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today to learn more. Restrictions apply.
to the Heavy Metal Mayhem Radio Show. It is Sunday, October 28th. As fast as this month came in, it's going out. It's the last show for Sunday in October of 2018, and we got a great one for everybody tonight. Joe McQuigan of Gamma Bomb and Pat Murlock of Fear are our guests tonight. We kicked things off there with a little death dealer out of Canada, the Dead Zone. I love those guys. We had Jean-Pierre on the show years ago. Uh, he was a fun guy to talk to. That comes off the Keeper of the Flame record from 1986. We have a few new songs to get there tonight. We'll stick to the classics always. Had to be calling in in about 25 minutes or so. We're going to play what we can between now and then, and we'll talk about everything going on in the world of heavy metal this week. How about some Praying Mantis? Panic in the Street.
Immortality by Satan off their newest record, Cruel Magic on Metal Blade. I have to tell you, Satan, ever since they came back with the original lineup, I think it was around 2011, maybe 2012. It's been about six years now. They have knocked out three amazing records, man. Life Sentence, Adam by Adam, and now Cruel Magic. They're one of the few bands that were able to come back after decades away from you know being together as an outfit. And it completely recreated that sound, that vibe that they had in the early days from the court and the act stage. I mean, I absolutely love it. They're doing an amazing job. I don't know if they're still here in the U.S. Uh, touring. They, they might be. Uh, if they are, check them out when they come to the area. They're just amazing live. It's like they sound on record the way they sound live. Incredible band. Check them out. All right, let's get to some brand new music. I was just talking with Iman in the chat room. He was talking about Man of War. You probably read that, uh, Carl Logan. Uh, was arrested for uh, uh, child pornography, I guess. Uh, Manuel knew about this like three months now, maybe four months since he was actually arrested. They said it did nothing about it. I guess it got leaked out into the news, and now all of a sudden they're making very vague statements about how he won't be on the upcoming tour while the lawyers sort it out. And I know in this country, everybody's innocent or proven guilty, and you never know. I mean, it could be wrong, but I doubt it. When it comes to these pedophiles, they're just sick fucking bastards. I don't know what they get out of it. Especially in a band like Manowar, who breaks 24 hours a day about begging a mean, different fucking woman. I don't know what you're doing looking at pictures of little fucking girls. It could have even been boys well that anybody knows. He's just a sick fucking man. That's all I can say. But now you see today, uh, you know, everybody's posted on Russell Boss's Facebook page out. You know, he should go back there. And now, uh, what do you call it? Um... David Shankle, he's in the post saying, I would go back if they call me. Every interview David Shankle does, and I've interviewed David before in the past, if you bring up Man of War, he does nothing but rip them apart and badmouth them. Ross does it too. He's the same way. They all had bad, you know, you know, bad experiences with the band, even though Ross is the original guitar player and found the member. He had a lot of issues with them when he left. But these two guys do talk a lot of shit about the band. So to go back and play with them, to me, makes absolutely no sense. Are you that desperate? I mean, Ross has got his own thing going on right now. He's actually doing the Man of War set, and he's got a pretty good band behind him. Man of War is supposed to be wrapping things up, I mean, at least as far as touring goes. They made it sound like they were, they were, it was all over for them, and they were ending it. But then they were talking about recording a new record, so maybe this is the last tour that they're doing. And I never get it when Man of War says they're going on tour either, because a world tour to Man of War is playing like three dates in Germany and one date in Belgium. That's like a world tour to those guys. <laughs> go around the whole world. They just go to those key places and do a couple of shows where they can sell out. You know, so that's Manawa. It makes no sense to me to see Ross and Boss go back for a couple of shows, you know, maybe record a new record with them, which would be ridiculous considering that he's recording his own music, which is in the vein of Manawa. And for David Shankle to talk to you a lot of shit about them and bear match them, they go back there. You make yourselves look like fools. I mean, people just don't know when to let things go. I mean, this isn't the 1980s where if you went back to Manawa, there was a chance you could be playing Madison Square Garden. It's never going to happen. You're going to be playing shit little fucking clubs in front of 50 people, at least here in the U.S., and maybe 100 or two over in the in Europe. I mean, so I don't get what these people are trying to get out of it, but he's a sick man. Let's see what happens. All right. How about we go back to the old days? We do some David Wayne. Do a little reverend. Here you go.
right, Wine Tea with Hurricane. Dave Menachetti is up and running again. He was down for the count with some back problems, but the band will be out on tour. I look forward to catching them live again. It's been quite a few years. All right, we have uh, Pat on the line right now. Let's connect them. Let's get this interview going. Pat, this is Mike. You're on the air. How are you? Hey, Mike. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you very much. I hope the cold weather hasn't gotten up there yet. It's not too bad. Still no jackets. It's all right. All right. You know, Canada, That's always the so good thing. It's going to come. All right. I know that. But uh, enjoy it while you got it. That's all. For sure. All right. Hey, well, listen, I- I'm a fan of the band. I go back to when I picked up the first record a few years ago in Sanitarium. It's about to be re-released right now on RFL Records. Uh, anything different about this release than the original one, or is it just getting out there again? Uh, we're going to change it. We're going to, ch- there's different member. We have a new guitar player, so we're going to have his face and his name on it. His name is Pat Rogers. Uh, Tyson left the band, uh, uh, beginning of the year uh, to do his, uh, other stuff, other musical stuff. And, uh, so we're going to update that membership and, uh, some surprise solos on that. We let, uh, Pat do some solos. So, uh, a few little differences, but it's mostly in sanitarium for anybody who's heard it before. So it's just uh, now it's got a record label behind it. Great. Well, I mean, the first record did have quite a few guest appearances on it by a lot of different players. Oh yeah. Well, they, they were friends I made along the way in my uh, in my idol on days back in the uh, early 2000s when I played with the the Drover Brothers, and uh, I don't know if you know that the yeah. band called Idolon with uh, Glenn and Sean, and uh, you know you you meet some people along your travels, you make friendships, and. Uh, you're able to ask them to come on board, and I hope to do the same on the next album too. Maybe some different people that I haven't spoke to yet. So, never it never hurts to ask. Absolutely, absolutely right. Listen, I mean, I remember going back to when you and Tyson and Chris were in Rampage. Uh, I thought that was a great band. I remember getting the fan side of my head record back in the '90s, and that was kind of Holy a tough cool. time for metal everywhere, you know. So, to me, that album kind of got lost in the mix, and I don't know if that was one of the reasons why the band didn't really continue much later than that. I think it was around 2002, right before you joined the band with the Drovers. I think the band kind of broke up around that time. Well, actually, I was in both for a bit, but it just, because Eidolon was signed to Metal Blade and it was uh, a lot of work. I mean, they had uh, album deals in the go, and we had to, um, we actually had to, you know, we're putting an album out every year at that point. With I mean, I was only on two of them, but it was like 2001, 2002. We had to get an album Yeah. Play a few shows, and then we had to get right to work on the next album. So there wasn't really a lot of time for Rampage. So it was better for me to, you know, say to leave those guys to do something else if they wanted to, or to do Rampage with another singer. It just never materialized. So uh, here we are with some Rampage members in in the band still. True, but when you when you became Fear, I mean, you know, Rampage really didn't become Fear. Fear was a whole separate entity, I believe, you know. But when you decided to do that, did you? It, it did take the band a little bit of a different direction. Well, when I played an Idolon, I guess when Idolon turned it up and it got it became heavier for me, and I, I guess I'm always a fan of the heavy music. And then so the Chris and Tyson came from Rampage came aboard to Fear. And it was a little bit heavier, and, and fear was going. Our refuge was going that way anyway, but a little bit heavier. And then I had the idol on experience, and then after bringing Graham in, who's uh, the, the guitar player in Fear, continue, or who continues to this day to be the guitar player in Fear, Graham's very heavy. Uh, he, he's he's come to a school from like Lamb of God, 
and not just that. I'm just saying the heavy part is kill switch yeah. engage. He, so he brings that edge in the bottom, you know, and and the, and the, he does most of the growling voices on the stuff too as well. So it's uh, or deathcore or whatever you want to call that voice. So he even brought a heavier edge, which is, you know, I'm a Slipknot fan. I like the heavier side of music too, right? I like all kinds of music. Like I'm always going to be a priest fan. So that's that's sort of the evolution of fear, right? I'm curious to see what the next album is going to sound like, you know? So, yeah. As, that as we're writing, it's, it's pretty neat. You know, it's pretty neat as we're writing. We continue to write to this day. And what's coming out is uh, it's sort of a combination of both. It, it's got the heavier side. And then there's some melodic, nice choruses and stuff like that. We, I, I tell a song it's not going to come out for a while, but we wrote a song called uh, Save Our Souls. It's just, I mean, the first time we played it live, and uh, we played it live up here in Toronto, and uh, uh, the first time we had the entire crowd singing the chorus. Wow. So, yeah, you know you put something catchy in there that everybody can grab hold of. Or either that or it's so bloody simple, everybody grabbed hold of it. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> it could be the case, too. I don't want to get ahead of myself on that. Uh, you never know. Uh, but, like, you know, one thing I, I say about Fear is that even though you really only – I mean, you did have the EP out a couple of years ago with the Iron Maiden song and then some live tunes on there. But, I mean, it's just based on the sanitarium. You kind of, like, you know, keep the old god of metal alive – you you kind of touch on the stuff that went on during the 90s and the 2000s, and yet you've got a modern sound now. Sometimes same when a band sounds modern, it turns a lot of fans off, but you kind of encompass the last, you know, like four to five decades of metal, you know, with that record. There's a little bit of everything for everybody, and it's not like it's intentional to grab a different audience from all over the place. It's just, it's just the way the band writes, I think. Well, it's, it's there's such a diverse group of guys writing in this band that it, it – it, it lends itself to that. Uh, you, you've got, okay, I'm going to start with me as the vocalist who kind of, I, I mean, I was explaining this in a TV interview just a few days ago or, or a few weeks ago. Sorry. You got me, you got me with the iron and the priest and all that, that that's in my blood, right. When I do it, but I was explaining something that, that sticks was a big part of my life back then and super tramp. And maybe that's where yeah. I get the height of my range, you know, but I also had King diamond in there. And then, and, and then I've got this incredible groove drummer who's a total King's X guy and Pantera, right? And then the bass player, I've got a thrash bass player who's Metallica, Megadeth, and loves these songs, Chris Boshes. And then and the two guitar players, Graham, I already touched on him with Graham, and now Pat Rogers, who's who's come from who comes from a, 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 a such a wide range of players. He likes he likes everything from from a Death, if you remember the band called Death. Yeah, all the way to Jimi Hendrix, you know, in his style. So it's just like well, you got all these writers coming in, and believe me, sometimes it's it's button heads, button heads. But usually the end product is kind of neat. It does encompass. Thank you for saying that. It does encompass a lot of time in it. So uh, you know, there's something for everybody. I hope, right, when we come out with stuff. Yeah. Well, I mean, the next question I was going to ask you kind of answered when you said your butt heads. I was going to say with such a diverse. You know, a group of musicians coming up with so many different things. I mean, you say you must butt heads on certain things, but is it easier to kind of work it out to make it happen where maybe you feel a certain part or a certain song isn't going the right way and the other guy's like, okay, all right, let's reevaluate it? Or is it just a nonstop fight till somebody wins? Well, no, this is exactly the way we do it. If something's just not working, put it over there. Maybe we'll steal a riff from it or something like that. You know when a song's coming together. I mean, I'll use the, 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 that song, SOS, which nobody's heard. I don't know why I keep bringing it up, but that song came together and just started to flow. You know, every, everybody's on the same page on this, and, and Graham was the principal writer on it. 
and then my melodies and lyrics and everything kind of fit right in. It just everybody grabbed a hold of their parts and it, you know, and it's not always going to be like that. We get that. We've already thrown one song away uh, that it just wasn't working. So it, it it's tough writing with five people, but it's also it's also really good to write with five people because you get so many so much input, and you have to be open to it. I guess the key is just be open to the input. But that's exactly the way they're doing it. The way you brought them, you asked that question so far. That is important to have an open mind to everything. I think that's what causes a lot of bands to fall apart. Is that they're very close minded. Or one guy who's guiding the ship, and every band has like a leader who kind of like takes control of everything. You know, they shoot everything down till they just turn people off and they just walk away. And a lot of great bands fall apart and die off that way, which is a shame. But I, I guess I, I don't know if it, is it mostly ego because people feel they're not being heard. Um, well, we had a, we had a member leave just just uh, Tyson uh, leave yeah. in the last year, and now he had a different path. Um, that he wanted to go and, and God love him. He's a great writer, perfect, great musician. I wish him well, but, but he chose, he chose a path that was going that, you know, when there's four guys that want to go one way and one guy that wants to go the other way, then that's not going to work, you know? And the, the trouble with voting on, on, on certain things is that one person always feels like they lost. That second person always feels like, like they lost. Now Tyson chose to leave. And it's that's a shame because look what's happening now. It's it's kind of really cool, but um, it, you know you you have to be on not necessarily the same page, but you have to be in the same book, right? Yeah, that's that, and that's that's it's tough. I won't lie. I mean, especially we've been doing it for a while now, and 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 you just you just you got to find a way to make it work and everybody and it's totally worth it at the end a lot of times you say i don't like that and by the time the song's done whoo i didn't know it would turn out like that you know and then everybody seems very pleased with it right true it's good to have a producer and stuff like that too (laughs) oh absolutely (laughs) yeah you let him blame everything you make him take the blame for everything that way the guy who really doesn't want to do it you say the producer said to do it that way Yes, that's the perfect line. I like it. Can I use that? I'm that's the way it goes. I'm writing that down as we speak, Mike. I'm glad the producer made me do it that way. There you that's go. That's it. <laughs> well, I listen, I mean, awesome. the band's been around for about four or five years now. I mean, I mean, but you've been, like I said, between Eidolon and Rampage, you've been in the business for a very long time. When you're going to start a new band and, you know, is it like starting all over again? Do you feel like you're a new kid on the block, even though you've been around, you've had experience, you've played in a lot of places with a lot of bands, but does each band kind of feel like you're starting from scratch again? Does that make it harder to do? Or is it actually something enjoyable? Cause like, it's like fresh and, you know, all over again, you're starting up. Well, new, new blood is great. And being fresh is great. And what is different now is, and everybody in, in all elements of life learn this, take what you can from the last thing you did learn mm. from it and don't make those mistakes again, you know, and, and okay. And in rampage, I did this much and we tried a bunch of different things and we were shooting blind all the time. Then I went to Eidolon and I saw the Drover brothers and when they did the way they've done it. And Glenn had the, the King diamond experience. And then there's the metal blade coming on board and we're getting all the experience of that record label. And I, and you know, you sit back, you'd be quiet. You, you look how everything's done a little different and then you get to play, you get to play Vakken and you get to see how a real festival works and exactly how that works. Right. We all have our, our preconceived notions of how that's going to work. And then you go and actually do it. 
So that was a huge experience. So I take my experience and then I just put it in the next thing. So starting Seer, uh, first of all, I was bringing musicians I know. I knew these were these were friends of mine. So that was great. That was not an issue. It wasn't like breaking a new person. Um, so and then we could bring our experiences that we all have gotten over the years since we left Rampage, right? Everybody's done different things. And then you bring in new kids. And I'll call them kids because they're much younger than me as Graham and Pat. Well, they have experiences that we didn't even know about that might relate more to today's music or today's, you know, playing live or, you know, and things. And they learn a lot from us, too. So it's, it's kind of it's not hard because you, you're not starting over because you've gained all that other experience. True, true. How's the scene up in Canada today? I mean, it's a big country to go from one side to the other. It's not like you just go you know, from Vancouver to Toronto overnight and play a show. So is, is it important to be in an area where it's enough to keep you guys active and busy live? Because you know, as much as you want to get out and tour, it's not the easiest thing to do. Yeah, and you know, to be honest, Fear has not had an opportunity to tour yet. I have to be honest about that. And uh, Canada's good. I mean, it's got it's got a viable metal scene. Like, people... Fear has its fans across this country, which is really nice, especially being our home country. Uh, but the reason I started shopping for a label is there's so much so, there's so much you can do on your own. So I'm kind of counting, you know, I'm kind of counting on RFL to be a big push for us. And and he was a big fan of the two albums, and so I thought, okay, well maybe these 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 albums still have legs because there's a lot of people that haven't seen, that haven't heard them yet. Right, so how do we get them in? Everybody who hears them seems to really like them, and we've got a we we love our fan group and we love all the things we've done. But as a band running our own business, it's 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 really hard. And yeah, there's a metal scene in Canada, but there's more people in California than there is in Canada. To give you an sure. idea, right? So is it is it really important for? United States to hear us and, and the metal fans in the states? To, yeah, I mean that's fantastic for us. Uh, so this whole thing with RFL, the first thing on our agenda when I'm talking to John, John, the president of RFL, is let's get the exposure. Let's get it out there. Let's get it in people's hands. Let's get in the right people's hands, being yourself and everything like that, that can play it and get exposed and people can hear it. Um, it's, there's Europe and there's Asia. There's all these places that RFL is going to be able to touch for us, which we couldn't do on our own. So there is a metal scene. There is a metal scene out there, and it's global, and it's big, and it's accessible by the Internet. And, but you need – we need – I shouldn't say you need. We need professional help over and above us. So it should be fine. It should be uh, – you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic, let's put it that way. Yeah. Is it, I mean, like I said, it's going on a tour. Is it, people think it's like, oh, come play. You know, I live in New York. Play with me. Come to California. Come to Chicago. And I always say it's not that easy. <laughs> Sounds like you just get in a car and you drive for six or seven hours and do a show, but it's, it's more involved than that. I mean, is, is having the band break in Europe bigger than breaking right here in the U.S. right now? Because it is a more stable scene. It's a more vibrant scene, especially like in, the, you know, in Germany, a lot of European countries. South America is, is really big for metal. Like I said, Asia. The U.S. is hit or miss. Depends on where you go. So is it more important to kind of focus on the areas of the world or the markets where you know the band can have the biggest impact right away? Yeah, I mean, uh, we were limited with our access to, uh, you know, Europe and stuff like that. But absolutely, like, uh, it's it's this is where the record company comes involved, where the record company knows where to go um, with this kind of music. Um, it, 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 I think it is you pick and choose. 
you know, I always say you pick and choose your battles. Well, let's pick and choose our places where we know that the scene is viable. Like if I was to play in just in Ontario where we are, there's a city called Hamilton that's got a bigger metal scene than Toronto does, right? Uh, Montreal is uh, a French part of Canada that has a bigger metal scene. I know that from being here, but I can't tell you in the States where it is. That's where we're going to count on RFL, right? Uh, Germany, Germany somewhere that we're untouched. We have not touched. So is that a big metal scene in Germany? I know from my Adelon days, absolutely. So RFL is going to hit up Germany. They're hitting up the UK as we speak. Uh, they just signed the, the deal that, uh, God, I hope I'm not sharing information. I should to, uh, to get us into Asia. So, right. and we know that the, the, the Japanese metal scene is large too. So again, the, it's very important to, to point yourself in the right directions, but you might need the help of a record company to get you there, you know, sure. which is what, where we are now, where we are now. Well, I'm glad that that's all working out and happening. I know you said you're, you're in the process of putting new music together. Are we looking at maybe a 2019 release for the new record? We hope so. I mean, we we have to release this one first on November 30th and give it some legs. Uh, we're hoping to go out and tour it a little bit, but we'll cross that bridge, you know, and then uh, I uh, then we go from there. So we're going to start recording regardless, so we're ready to go uh, in the new year. So we're I, I, I'm pretty confident to say a 2019 release, yes. You know, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but uh, we're, we're oh, let's put it, we're four songs into it that sound, we're really happy with where we are um, with these songs. Uh, yes, we might have to stop to, to get some live. we got to shoot some videos for this re-release, uh, but that's that's all fun, right? <laughs> Shooting videos is just a blast, so... Uh, we'll be we'll be bright, we'll be writing soon, and we'll just uh, we'll just keep going that way. That's you gonna know? be great. Hey, hey, Pat, I'm gonna have Thank to you. let you go in a minute. I want to play a couple of songs off the record. I hope you guys can't awesome. get down here to the U.S. You got a good shot if you come in the next two weeks because our president is sending all the troops down to the southern border to keep the caravan from Honduras coming in. So you might be able to sneak in from up north without any problems <laughs> in the next two weeks. But <laughs> you gotta go past that. Uh, we'll uh, catch you when you get no, here. No, we're okay now. Canada, Canada, the border's okay now. We're friends again, remember? That's right. You know, you never know who we're fighting with. It changes from week to week. No, no, we're good. We're good now. The the, the NAFTA stuff's all done. We're good. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> That's good to know. And in fact, it was a pleasure talking with you today. The best of luck with the band, and I'm looking forward to catching up to you again when the new record comes out. Thanks, Mike. It's great to talk to you again. Anytime. Take care, buddy. Cheers, bud. All right, let's get on some fear. This is off. Well, this is actually the rework song from the record coming out. It's about two years old. It did a great job on this record. And Sanitarium, pick it up on RSL Records, and you'll be getting new music real soon by the band.
Vatican with Mean Streak. Love those guys. Absolutely love them. Vince Vatican, a good friend of the show. Got to give Vince a call and get him back on here again. Catch up on what's happening with the band. And right before that, Fallen by Fear. All right, we still have our interview with Joe McQuiggan from Gamma Bomb. In about 15 minutes, we'll play a few more tunes between now and then. How about we get on some brand new Fifth Angel? The band just put out their third record, The Third Secret, about 20 years <laughs> since the last one came out. But the band was broken up during all that time, pretty much. Uh, this album really doesn't have the vibe of that original Fifth Angel record from back in 1986, or even Time Will Tell, but it's a great sounding album. I mean, if you play it or if somebody hears it, they wouldn't say it's Fifth Angel. Uh, but it's just a solid metal record. So uh, pick it up. It's on Nuclear Blast. How about we do... This is...
anger was how to rock. That's not the anger that I love. That came off the Reach for the Sky record from 1987. The anger that I care about was the louder than loud and the metal attack anger from those demo days in 83 and 84. They were a great band. Those two demos were killer. I remember, actually, I'm actually looking at it right now. I'm staring at my, my cassette collection. I bought the Louder Than Loud demo from the band in 1983. They mailed it out. And it was actually like a really like, you know, professional type demo. Uh, it was a glossy, you know, the cassette cover was all made out of gloss. And it was printed in a professional shop, you know, where most bands did it by hand and mailed it out. And I, I always loved it. Bobby Bodum, I think, was a singer for the band on those first two demos. And they were like a real heavy sounding band. Uh, you didn't hear anything about them for a couple of years after that. I mean, not like we really had the ability to hear about a lot of these bands from overseas, unless Metal Forces or maybe Kerrang did a little article on them. Uh, but when Reach for the Sky came out in 87, I ran to the record shop. I paid a hell of a lot of money for it because it was an import. And I was so disappointed in the sound that the band took. They went more in a commercial sound and direction. They added a keyboard play to the band. And I don't know if they were trying to be like a more commercial version of Pretty Maids a lot, but it just wasn't working for me, and I did not like that album. I still have it in my collection, but I didn't care for it. I think Ron Ashley, the guitar player, was the only guy left in that band from the original demo days. But, you know, some people like it, I guess. I know I really wasn't a fan of it. All right, we'll get on one more song. After that, we'll jump into some brand-new Gamma Bomb, and then we'll talk to Joe. Uh, how about Chateau, Chained and Desperate?
Let's get on some brand new Gamma Bomb. We'll talk to Joe right after this song. Here's Gimme Leather. How are you? I'm good, Mike. How are you? 
Hey, I'm doing great today. How's everything going over there? Yeah, not too bad, man. Just uh, gearing up for this album coming out now in a couple of weeks. Oh, uh, man, what a great job you did on this, man. Cool, thank you. How, how things, uh, you you're based in, um, is it Brooklyn, man? Brooklyn, New York. Well, you said, now it's just Staten Island, New York. <laughs> oh, cool. I, um, I go over, my brother lives in Williamsburg, so I'm over there quite frequently. Oh, okay, Williamsburg. It's a, it's a whole different town there these days. Oh, yeah, no, it is. It's all completely... Our old record label, actually, they used to um, they used to have an office in uh, Union City, uh, Eric, and we used to go over there quite a bit as well. Oh, great. Well, we've got to get the band over here now to play in Williamsburg because there's a lot of great rock and metal clubs there. Yeah, no, man, I've, I've actually been to a couple of shows. I've seen Vitus and stuff like that. Um, it seems to be the new new version of, you know, what Lemoore's, I guess, was back in the day, you know? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So there's hope that Gamma Bomb will be in Brooklyn, I guess. I hope so at some stage, man. You know, it's, it's a kind of crazy situation over there. There's, like, some big bands, or, well, I guess in our world, like Loudness and, you know, other bands like Evil Invaders have been deported out of the country. So you really have to do it the legal way, you know. There's no kind of no beating around the bush. You have to kind of have a visa to go over and uh, and perform, you know. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, you know, I, this has been going on a lot. Loudness has been turned away about two or three times now, and you know that's like a massive expense that probably gets lost uh, because of these like you know issues that we're having over here with getting people into the country these days. But you know, I hope it doesn't happen for you guys. But I mean, with this new record, I mean, you guys just keep going above and beyond album after album. And one thing I always loved about Gamma Bomb is that you guys don't do anything conventionally. I mean, you give music away for free. You put records out on cassettes where nobody even has cassette players anymore. You guys do your own thing. You're on a whole other level. Yeah, well, well um, you know, it, it is all about just trying to get, get the music out there or whatever. You know, back in the day, people just wanted to listen to music on CDs. And I guess now it's uh, people, people want vinyl, people want cassettes, or people don't want anything. They want to just listen to it online. And, you know, we're cool, we're cool with all those options. If you come to the show here or... Um, or buy a t-shirt, that's all, all we really need, you know? Is it getting harder, I mean, to, to make the financials end of it? I mean, you know, because like people don't buy music anymore, not as much as they used to, so bands rely on merchandise. But is that enough to keep the band sustained and keep it going? Because, this, you know, this is an expensive thing, the music business. Yeah, and it is, man. And, you know, it just really depends what kind of what place it takes in your life. Whenever we were younger guys, we had a big, long conversation with this German band, Pankers, and, you know, they were kind of really explaining a lot of the ins and outs of, you know, you can be the kind of band who does 150 shows a year, or you can be the kind of band that does, you know, 30 or 40 shows a year. And, you know, when we were younger, we, we did do the, you know, a lot of touring and stuff, but I think now we're, we're going to just always be the sort of band who, who does, you know, little bits of touring and stuff instead of going crazy on it, you know? Yeah. Was there a big learning curve from the beginning? Like you said, you guys were young. And, you know, I still consider Gamma Bomb like the new kids on the block. And then I'm like, they've been around for 16 or 17 years now. But you can still have like that fresh, you know, new new band approach. Yeah, well, you know, I guess we're one of the, you know, we're kind of like an oldish band now. But um, we, we're, we've been here since the business model changed. You know, we were never around whenever bands were selling like a hundred thousand records you know i think the most we ever sold of any like one of the eric albums was like maybe twenty thousand copies or something so like you know we, we've been there since the start and a lot of the things like the eric deal and stuff 
you know, I guess back then when they were kind of changing the business model for the way things worked, we tried the 360 merch deal and all that kind of crazy stuff. And, um, yeah, you know, you, you learn from every experience, man. You know, it's the same as, you know, last time we went to the States, you know, it, it costs so much money. You have to you have to learn and, you know, f- figure out a, a new, new way of doing it and move with the times like that. Yeah, and it's still something that a band can be like a do-it-yourself type of athlete. You kind of need, you know, help from different people in different parts of the business. Yeah, exactly, man. You know, I think at the end of the day, somebody has to pay for you know a lot of the a lot of the overheads and you, know, you, you just need to um you need to have someone with boxer, you know. And there are some bands who are like fiercely independent. I know for a long time, Overkill would just record their albums and then they would sell the album to a record company and. Those guys own their own tour bus in Europe, and you know the whole nine yards. They really kind of, really smartly worked everything out like that, you know. Yeah, I mean, if you go back, I remember somebody playing these songs off the survival ops, and you put that demo tape out in two thousand and two, and you know I, I fell in love with the band right then and there. Where did you think you would wind up? Where did you think this whole thing would go? Did it? You, did you think it would take you to the point you're right now? Yeah, well, God, you know, that was the dream, really, was to, you know, the dream was to kind of play a show with Nuclear Assault right at the start, and that's actually how we kind of started out, was whenever Nuclear Assault got back together, their record label, who were based up in New Hampshire, uh, Screaming Ferret, contacted us, and they were the guys who said, oh, hey, can you can you make an album, and we'll uh, we'll put it out, and then between us recording on the album and uh, it coming out, those guys had went bust or whatever, so... That that's kind of one of the things. When we were kids, we were just so obsessed with nuclear assault and anthrax and you know all the New York uh, East Coast uh, East Coast thrash bands. You know, so it was a dream getting to meet all those guys and playing shows. And you know, that's it. Like now we're we've been about for so long, we can kind of tour over the world and and people know us. You know, so that's that's the dream. Yeah, and like you said, you kind of came into the into the music scene when things were changing or they had already changed. People weren't buying the music like they used to, but you know people still want to hear it. And mo- unfortunately, most people do download it for free instead of buying it. I mean, and you guys kind of contributed to that by you know giving music away. I mean, is it more important for people to hear the music or to just financially support the band? Yeah, well, totally. Like, people hearing the music is the most important thing, you know, because it's going to be one of those things like whenever back in the day, whenever you heard a certain album, you could probably say, man, I'm so glad I didn't spend 15 bucks on that. That, that really sucked. Or, you know, vice versa. And the cool thing about us doing the free download was, you know, we got to go in places like uh, Brazil and Mexico where our records had never been distributed. We never had a CD for sale in those countries. But, like there was enough interest because of downloading to take us out there, which kind of proved that the business model worked. And plus, we, we actually ended up selling more copies physically of that album, Tales from the Grave in Space, than we did of the previous album. So I think it just goes to show, if you can get people interested and get people listening, then if the music's good, you'll you'll pick up new fans. True. You, you know, you talk about the 80s, like the heydays, heavy metal. You know, there was no internet back then, so bands would have to go out and play live at different clubs to get people to see them. They would put up flies on telephone poles to let people know they were playing. You guys were born into the internet age. Does that help a herd of band in any way? Because you can't get your music out to all over the world with a click of a button right away, but you still kind of have to build up the fan base like locally in Ireland and take to the EU. Yeah, well, that's it, man. You know, you have to do the groundwork and um, there's, you can't get into 
the situation where you can, you know, be, be in the situation we're in unless you've done that kind of 200 shows over over the course of the year and really go gung-ho when you're young and, and you've got the time. Um, I think it definitely helped, you know, being able to, as well as like, you know, getting our music out there, it really helped us develop, a, you know, as a band, having access to so much of the music. In the late 90s, when, you know, you couldn't really listen to music on the internet, it was a totally different thing. I remember searching high and low for like, um, you know, the dark side metal church or something like that that was like deleted and you just couldn't get it. And it, it was a pain in the butt. And then it was great whenever the internet finally came along and you could be like, okay, I can get into Hellstar, get into all these, you know, cool bands that ended up being a big influence on us. Yeah. You know, one of the things about the band is that there has been a great consistency in the lineup. I mean, between you and Philly going back to the very beginning, I mean, Paul and Donald didn't come in much later, and even John's been in the band for quite a few years now. Does it help having a consistent lineup? Yeah, it it definitely, definitely does. Um, You know, whenever Luke left the band, our original rhythm guitar player, that was definitely a big blow in 2011 because, um, you know, he'd been a songwriter with me and Philly since the very start. But as you said, you know, uh, Domo and Paul have been in the band since 2005, you know, so they've been here for a long stretch as well. And it really, really does help being able to, you know, having John in the band as well. Say Domo, our guitar player, had a kid this year, so he wasn't really as involved in the songwriting as he's been in the past. But that's the kind of good thing about having lots of writers in the band. You know, someone can take a back seat for an album and then, you know, get someone else to take up the slack, right? True. Uh, is that the way you like to write? Is it is a everybody contributes type of thing, or is it better like we're one or two guys who are the consistent members, stick to the writing to kind of keep it the same from album to album? Well, you know, we're we've never been one of those kind of Metallica style bands where you write, you know, the ten songs that are on the album. We've always written, you know, about twenty songs for each album and then pick the best twelve kind of thing. But um, yeah, like everybody, Philly has always been very hands on in the lyrics. I guess in the in the past, me and Luke kind of used to contribute lyrics a lot more, and now it's really uh, Philly does like ninety five percent of the um, lyrics. And you know, it's, it, there's been other albums where like I've written like eighty percent of the music, and then other albums where it's kind of been a lot more fifty fifty. So I think it's a good song at the end of the day. Whatever whatever is good is going to make the cut, right? True. And all those songs that don't make the cut, what happens to them? Do they get reworked down the road to new songs, or they just kind of get thrown away? No, we've got a. We actually have a good plan for all that. You know, we're thinking in about fifteen or twenty years time. You know, when all our albums will be, you know, sucky, we'll be able to have a big catalog of you know, songs from back in the day that we can re-record. You know. Yeah. Well, well don't well, don't wait twenty years because I might not be around that long. So let's try to get all earlier. And so, um, but yeah, and so it's it's one of those things. It's cool getting to talk to people from the East Coast, as I said, when we were. Growing up and started the band, we were such huge fans of all the New York uh, thrash and hardcore hardcore bands, you know. Yeah, we had we had a great scene here in New York back in the day. I mean, if the band didn't come from New York, they all came through New York at one time or another, and it was just amazing. And you know, I, I see it kind of happening like that again. I mean, the turnout's not like it used to be back then, but you know, the the feeling is there again. Yeah, and that's it. That's all you want is like people who are completely committed to committed to the scene. There doesn't have to be thousands of them, but as long as there's some of them, that's it. True. And one thing I always loved about the band is, you know, you guys don't take yourselves too seriously. You have a good time, and it shows in a lot of your songs and a lot of your lyrics. You have fun with what you're doing. 
Yeah, and you know it's weird because you know heavy metal is such a kind of it can be quite you know strict and uptight, and sometimes we get crap about you know writing songs about zombies, but you know Dio wrote songs about dragons. You know we write songs about zombies. I guess everybody's got their 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 thing. You know. You wrote a song about Kurt Russell. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> and we did. We actually had a song about Willem Dafoe on an album a couple of years ago as well. So. <laughs> I know, and I love that. I think it's all in good fun, and you have a good time. I mean, so I'm not going to keep you much longer, but you have anything going on for the rest of the year? We're coming to the end of it right now. Any tours planned or anything looking for 2019? Yeah, so at the minute, um, Philly, our singer, uh, his wife just had a baby, so they're um, they're just uh, getting into that. So we're going to give him some time off, and we've got... Um, some uh, festivals in Europe around Christmas time and stuff, and then next year we're starting to plan and um, going to Asia and around Europe and that kind of thing. So we're hoping that we're going to be able to come back to the states um, next year. But if we don't do that, we'll definitely kind of go and do seventy thousand tons of metal, or we'll be, we'll be around to this indie anyway, you know. That sounds great. Hey, John, the best of luck with the new record in the band, and I know I'll see you guys here in New York pretty soon, so I'm not worried about that. Thank you very much, dude. Take care. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Right. Take it easy, man. Bye-bye. No dignity, no power. Nobody wants to you.
Sanctuary, the third war. I just got the new World Dane this week, his solo record that he made uh, before he passed away. I didn't get a chance to go through it yet, so uh, we'll get on some tunes off of that next week. So I figured the next best thing would be some Sanctuary. And before that, more brand new Gamma Bomb. Stay rotten. Philly was supposed to do the interview, but he was having laryngitis and voice trouble that week, so Joe kind of stepped in, and I appreciate that. It was really fun talking with him. And how do you like it that he has family living here in Brooklyn? Even though I live in Staten Island these days, I originally came from Brooklyn, but I came from the good side of Brooklyn, <laughs> the non-hipster side. Then again, there really weren't hipsters in Brooklyn in the 70s, so who the hell knows? All right, well, we've got about 15 minutes to go, and we're going to wrap it up. I want to remind everybody this Wednesday is Halloween. We have our Halloween spooktacular. Don't forget to tune in. It's the holiday matinee this Wednesday at 12 p.m. EST Live. You can catch the replays at any time. Something's been going on with Facebook. It's not letting anybody uh, link to the show. If you click the link, it comes up with an error message for some reason. I just Somebody just told me about that. I checked out the last couple of weeks, and I don't know what's going on this week. None of the, the banners or the pictures were coming up on the link. So I don't know if this is a Facebook thing with them changing things. Every time they change things up on Facebook, it kind of screws up a lot of shit. So I don't know if it's them or if it's Block Talk Radio or maybe there's a miscommunication Technically, between the two, I have no idea, but I'll find out about it tomorrow when I get somebody in customer service. We'll see what's going on there. But in the meantime, just copy the link, paste it in your browser. You can listen to the show, all the replays, or just go to the Heavy Metal Mayhem Radio Show.com. All the links always work on there because that's my site. <laughs> all right. Like I said, don't forget the Halloween show this Thursday and next Sunday night. We kick off November with some really good friends of mine, David Reese. The man is back with a solo record. Reese, we're going to be talking to him all about that. And my brother from another mother, Steve Gaines from Abattoir and Anger as Art. We're going to be talking to Steve next Sunday night. So stick around. I have a couple of guests lined up. But as we get closer to the end of the year, I try to limit the amount of guests we get on the show. If we can get in one a week, I'll be happy. If we don't get any in, I'm just fine with that, too. We'll play a lot of music. You know, when you do two to three interviews a week, and there's a lot more that I do during the week that were pre-recorded, you kind of get burnt out around September. So it's kind of nice to take it easy the last few months of the year, just focus on the music, and come back with a lot of guests in January. So, uh, like I said, we have a few of them lined up, a couple of really underground bands I've been working on trying to get on the show for a while. I'm going to try to make one or two of those happen for November if I can. Usually when I work really hard to get, like, these unknown underground bands who have, like, a great demo or an EP out in the day that faded away, those interviews usually always bomb out and turn out like shit because the bands don't have anything to say. <laughs> but we'll see what happens. I'm working on it. All right. How about Maniac, Bell of Doom?
Vixen, living in sin. All right, we're going to wrap it up here. A couple more tunes and we're done. I want to thank all of our guests. I want to thank Joe McCregan from Gamma Bomb and Pat Murlock of Fear. You know, Todd Youth uh, passed away uh, the other day. Uh, Todd was in Murphy's Law back in the day. He was a few years younger than me, but we played a lot of shows at Murphy's Law, and he's actually was on for a little bit. I mean, quite a few bands back in the day, and we played with all of those guys, and, you know, he had a rough life growing up, but, uh, you know, he looked like he was doing pretty well there towards the middle, but he passed away very young. I think he was 46 or 47 years old. I thought I had some Murphy's Law already on tap, so I didn't kind of upload any music by the band. It looks like I'm going to the thing right now, and I, I don't see anything. So maybe next week we'll get on some Murphy's Law. We'll see what happens. All right. I saw that, uh, what do you call it? Scott Wright from uh, Dio Disciples was saying that uh, he just saw the new hologram of Ronnie, and it looks like dead on. It's, it's so much better than the original one. I mean, anybody who goes to see a hologram of any fucking artist, you know, like it's out on tour, to me, shouldn't even be allowed to go into a venue and listen to music. I understand, like, they put them at these festivals. You pay for the festival, not just to see that one act. So you kind of have to sit through. But if there's going to be a tour of Dio again where, you know, Dio Disciples is playing through a hologram of Ronnie, people actually fucking pay money to go see that. Shame on them. That's all I can say. I mean, you're saying that this one looks realistic. I mean, at this point in time, why doesn't Wendy Dio just dig him up from the fucking grave, re-embalm him, put some wax on his face like they used to do to the old popes to keep their image intact, and get guys behind them with fucking strings and ropes and poles like they do to stop animation and let him perform that way. I mean, let the guy fucking rest in peace. I mean, they just don't know when to let things fucking end. It's like a cash cow. I saw that she's uh, putting out the Ronnie James Dio biography next year, but she's the one that's writing it. So, I mean, you know, it's her version of what Ronnie, you know, what you think Ronnie would say and do, but it's not going to be all truthful and everything. It's going to be Wendy's version of it. So, I don't know. I know I'm just ranting and raving here, but that's just the way I feel. All right, let's see what we can do right now. Yeah, I definitely don't have any Murphy's Law lined up. I apologize. I wanted to uh, try to get something on by that. Maybe we'll do a little Bad Brains still in the hardcore vein, even though it's not the classic old Bad Brains. <laughs> it's off the Return to Heaven record. We'll do some Bad Brains. We'll play one more tune after that. I'll surprise you with that one. And then we're going to wrap it up here today. So good night, everybody. Have a great week. I'll see you Wednesday if you can for the Halloween show, the Halloween Spectacular. If not, be back here next Sunday night at 6 p.m. with my boy Steve Gaines from Anger as Art and David Reese. I'll talk to you guys later. Take care.
Hey, New York. For a limited time at VisionWorks, you can get two complete pairs of glasses, frames, lenses, the works, for just $49 on single vision glasses and $89 on progressives. And that's a good deal. But we offer that pricing on over 500 frames, which makes it a great deal. Right now, buy two complete pairs of single vision glasses for just $49 or two pairs of progressives for only $89. VisionWorks, we're here to help you. Some restrictions apply. See store for details. Offer expires November 10th. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.